Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Glory to God. You know, this morning I was out and about, uh, outside, used to that I would get up, it was about five o'clock, but when we got our dog, Baron, we didn't get up five anymore. We got up when he got up. I mean, if you know, when a puppy gets up, it's time to get up. And you need to take him outside right then, and, and you, you're thinking that what you're doing is really training him. No, he's training you to get up. And so he trained me to get up at 4 o'clock instead of 5 o'clock. Because I was real good, steady, 5 o'clock guy. Well, he trained me to get up at 4 o'clock. And uh, so I do. And you know what happens now? He still gets up at 4 o'clock, but it's not because he has to go. It's because I'm going. I'm going outside, and I'm taking him out there, and he'll just go, and he'll just like, kind of like hang out with me, you know. And it's like, you know, we don't have to do this. Yes, we do. I'm trained, and you're going to get up. And uh, so he kind of hangs out with me. Then he goes back in, and what does he do? I'm up. I stay up, you know, and read and so forth. Uh, he goes in there and lays next to Marcia on, the, on her side of the bed and just lays there and waits for her to get up which is usually about 10, 30, 11 o'clock every day. I'm just seeing if she's listening this morning, you know. Yeah, she said she's listening. Well, anyhow, this morning as I was out there uh, uh, taking him out and all, I was just kind of, you know, noticing, you know, things out in the yard. You know, the sun was actually was about an hour after I'd gotten up. The sun was, you could see. And uh, I was noticing, you know, the plants that we've got, you know, flowers and every different, all the different things. And I couldn't tell you the names of most of the flowers. I just know what they look like, and uh, I take care of them. But uh, Marcia, she's more the one that knows what's the red flowers look like. What are those called? Geranium. Geraniums. Okay, I was right. And so anyway, uh, take care of those and the other different kind of petunias and all the different things out there. So I've, I, this morning, it was as I was out there looking around, the thought came, you know, we're right in the middle of summer. Right in the middle of summer. We've had two... Hot months, June and July, and we've got two more hot ones to come, August and September, right? That's just about the way it goes. We're right in the middle of the, of the summer months. And how many of you know that you water your plants different when it's hot? When it's real hot, like we've had the temperatures in, around here in the hundreds and high 90s and so forth, you, you tend to water them more than you would back in the spring and the early summer when it wasn't so hot. You know, you can go in there, and I, I, the plants we have on the, the screened-in porch, you know, I can go in there and water them, and that temperature and, and that, because of that solar screen, is like 10 degrees cooler in there than it is outside, and it's even in the shade. So, you know, I'm in there, and I water those. I don't have to water those as much as I do those that are in the direct sun outside or in pots, you know. So uh, as I'm watering those, I was thinking about the fact that that when it's real hot like we're having it, we have to put more water. We have to give them more water. How many of you realize that, that uh, those plants out there, giving them more soil wouldn't help any? Huh? It wouldn't help any. What they want is water, right? Giving them more light, let's leave the porch light on for them all night. That wouldn't help them at all. What they need is water. You know, if we turn around and said, okay, well, let's make it a little hotter out here. Let's turn the heat on for them even more. That wouldn't help them either. What they need is water. And you know what? We're no different. 
when we're out there in that kind of weather and we're out there cutting grass or weed eating or trimming hedges or doing whatever we're doing, we need water as well, right? A car wouldn't help much. If somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you a new car. No, I'm, I'm outside. I, that's not going to quench my thirst. It may make you happy, but it won't quench your thirst because what you really have need of is water. And if you were out there going on a vacation, you know, the next day or so, that might make you feel better, but what you need right now is water. Are you following me? And what we have to realize is that we have a need of water because we've been exposed to the heat. We've been exposed to the environment that we're in, and what we have need of is water. Okay? And, and uh, what I was thinking about during all that was the fact that when we've been exposed to the things that's going on in this world today, and one of the main things that you hear about and you see everywhere you go, and we've been talking about it, it is money, inflation, gas prices, all these things. We're being exposed to this all the time. And you know what we need? We don't need higher prices. We don't need murmuring and complaining. What we need is the Word of God and what it says about who He is and who we are as His children. That's what we need. You say, well, more money would help. Well, the Word of God will, reveals that to us, and it shows us how that goes about. So what we need is, don't need me in here teaching about angels. What we need is to hear what God says about money, what He says about these things. Why? Because that's what you've been exposed to, to, a, to an inflation time. You've been exposed to these different things, and what you need is to be replenished with what God says about finances. And He has plenty to say about it. And so the other week, he made mention of that to me about the whole fact of that he doesn't find pleasure in us as his children out complaining about the prices at the gas pump when we have more than enough money in our heavenly account, which most people never think much about. They even have a heavenly account. Some may say, I didn't even know I had one. Well, if you're giving you in, into the ministry of any kind, then you have a heavenly account. And I want to expose that to you, that you have something to draw from. Why? Because it's in the Word. Are you following me? The gifts of the Spirit is great, but when you have need of money, you need to know how to make a withdrawal from God. You say, that's a kind of a strange word maybe to use for a lot of people in church, but you wouldn't have any problem saying, well, I'm just going to pray. What are you going to pray for? Money? Well, what are you doing? Making a withdrawal? Let's call it what it is. Let's get our thinking cap on right. And so I know the other day I kind of uh, rattled some people's cages in, 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 in the thought. But don't you realize that most of the time when you hear something for the first time, it kind of like, well, I don't know about that. And my purpose was to do that very thing, to cause you to think and not just say, yeah, I've heard that. Because if you've heard that and you're not doing that, then guess what? It needs to be presented in a way that will cause you to think, right? And that's what I'm doing this morning. How many of you know this whole thing that we're facing upon planet Earth today globally, this inflation, this all this other stuff, hadn't caught God off guard at all? You know what? God didn't wake up and say, I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they don't bother me. No. God saw the end from the beginning. He already knew all this. He's already provided everything. What we need to do is to get on the same page as God. Amen? And if you've been around church very long, you know that he sees the end from the beginning. 
And if we, as God's children, keep an attentive ear to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying and what God's word says, then we're going to navigate right through this time that planet Earth is going through just like we have in times gone past, and that's victoriously. Amen? And so we need to realize that if we are his children, and we are, and if we'll give an attentive ear to what does Holy Spirit say, if we'll see what does the Word say, and then be those that are not only hearers but doers of what God's Word says, then we're going to navigate right through this thing. He's going to reveal this is the path, this is how I want you to go about doing things, and we'll come out victorious just like we did in 2008, just like we have with other crises, the financial crisis that's happened in our country. Since then, we'll come through it every single time. Because how many of you realize that our ability to communicate with Holy Spirit is no small thing? Huh? It's not some little, oh, well, that's nice, Holy Spirit to talk to us. Oh, no, 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 no. Saints of old wish the Holy Spirit would talk to them and be available for them like he is for us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. Hmm? He said that he would teach us what to do about the things that are to come. He said that he would comfort us about the things that are to come. He will guide us through the things that are to come. And what we need to understand, that this is the Holy Spirit that Jesus says, it's, it's imperative that I go. It's important that I go so that he can come. The Holy Spirit can come so he can be in you and dwell with you. So our communication with the Holy Spirit is not to be ignored. It's not just to be acknowledged. That, oh, yeah, that's right. We've got the Holy Ghost. We can speak in tongues. No, it's to give an attentive ear to hear. Now, this is not just for today. We see it all the way back in Genesis when, when Joseph was in prison in Egypt, right? He revealed to him what this heathen country should do to sustain the people of that area. But not only that area, but God's chosen people, Israel, Jacob, and his boys. Because they all ended up coming down there and it, because of the famine, and it sustained them as well. So it wasn't just for the Egyptians. It was for all of that whole region. Holy Spirit revealed in a dream to Joseph what to do. So we need to see that this is not something for just days gone by or from when Jesus was here, but also for us. And he said he would reveal things to us that are to come. And we should be attentive. Wouldn't it have been nice to know five years ago what we're going through right now and you could have been positioning yourself so when all this takes place... And the prices of the stock market dropped down, you could say, I'm stepping right on in. I'm going to buy up. Hmm? Instead of paying high prices, I'm going to buy in when it's low. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. Because if he can get it into your hands and you'll do what you're supposed to with it, the kingdom of God will advance. It'll be blessed. People will be blessed. Amen? So he wants us. He says in his word, Deuteronomy 8.18, he gives us what power to what? Get well so that his covenant be established in all the earth. So God's for us hearing from Holy Spirit what to do because see, the wisdom of God has the ability to put us over the top no matter what we're facing. The wisdom of God will take us through and over whatever adversity we may come in contact with. 
Holy Spirit will reveal the path that we should take in every single situation. But we have to be not only hearers, we have to be obedient as well. We have to be doers of what he's telling us to do. How many of you know the Bible says that, we're been, that we have been redeemed? Amen? How many people here this morning have been redeemed? Say, I've been redeemed. Let's say it like we mean, I've been redeemed. Glory to God. We have been redeemed. How many of you know that just because we've been redeemed from the curse does not make us exempt from the curse? Hmm? You've been redeemed from the curse, but nowhere does it say that we'll never be confronted with the curse. Are you hearing me? We've been redeemed. We don't have to go through what the, what the curse is, but we will be confronted with it. And what are we to do then? Well, we're to talk to it and tell it. Look, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We're to confront it. And how do we do that? We go to God's word, his covenant with his people. We have a covenant with God. And we go to that covenant, go to his word, and we say, according to the word of God, I've been redeemed from this curse. I will not stand on this curse. I'm going to stand on the promises of God. I'm going to walk through this thing. You may come rise up against me, but my word tells me that you may rise, my enemies may rise up one way, but they're going to flee seven ways. Are we going to believe this, or is it just a bunch of hocus stuff that we just all want to talk about and slap each other on the back? God's looking for us to be experiencing every day what his word says. He's serious about this. He already knew it and set things in motion so that we can live and walk victorious if we'll be obedient to hear him and then obedient to do what he says. You see, our covenant is God's word. We assembled this morning to do what? Worship our God. Worship him, the giver of our covenant. God's not a man that he would lie. Matter of fact, he will not lie. He can't lie. But memorizing scriptures is good. But we're to apply those verses to our everyday life, not just memorize. We're to be experiencing and getting the same results as the apostles and many others in days gone by. We're not just to talk about their stories. Their stories ought to be our stories. They in heaven are saying, look at them. They're, they're making their own stories. They're doing what the word says. They're experiencing in 2022 the same promises that God promised us way back over here in 2000 B.C. Because it's God's word. It doesn't change. Amen? If he's really the God of yesterday, today, and forever, there is no other place. I mean, he's the same then all three yesterday's results should be the same today and should be the same tomorrow. We're, we did, we're not the exempt bunch that, well, you know, y'all just get by the best you can. If anything, we are the most blessed bunch because we have Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have his promises at our fingertips, on our telephones, everywhere we turn. We can get it night and day, 24-7. We should be the most blessed, prosperous people that walk the face of this earth ever. There's nations where they don't even have paper or, or, or one scripture verse. And we've got it 
everywhere we turn in many different translations. If anybody ought to know God's word, it ought to be us. And you know one day we're going to stand and give an account for that? What did you do with my word? I remember as a young Christian, I've been saved maybe about two years, and I heard something in the Bible, and I said, well, nobody's ever taught that before, God. I never knew that. I'm 26 years old, it's a, or 27 at that time. I've never heard of anything like that. Yet it's in the Bible. How come they didn't teach that to me? How come I didn't know anything about this? And I was finding myself mad because the preachers never shared anything like that. Well, they didn't know what to share. Huh? And I thought, well, they ought to be held accountable. That was my attitude. I was kind of rough back then. And I realized, well, they didn't know. I'm like, huh. He said, but you do. He said, you know, Alan, I'm not going to hold them accountable for that anyway. He says, how many copies of my word do you have? I said, well, uh, I'm not really sure. He said, well, do you got one on the back of you, the, the toilet tank? You, you, you got right in there in the bathroom, don't you? Well, yes, sir. He said, you got one in your car. You got a little pocket New Testament. You got the one that you take to church on Sunday. You got the big family Bible sitting on the coffee table. He said, you got many copies of my word. Why am I going to hold him accountable when you've got all these copies yourself? What did you do with my word? I'm like, oh, man. This is a personal Savior. Huh? Can't be blaming the preacher when you got all of it, too. What did you do with, the, with your time? Huh? Who did you give it to? Hannity? Huh? Tucker? Carlson? Is that who you gave your time to? or The Price is Right, or whatever game shows, or MASH, or reruns, or whatever it is. Paul said this in Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Maybe he'll throw that one up on a... Boy, I didn't tell him and show him that. Can you put that one up there, Philippians 4, 11? He says, not that I, res- I speak in respect of want. He's letting it be known right now, just like I am too. I'm not trying to preach on this stuff to get y'all to do something. Okay? I'm telling you what God's Word says. He says, not that I respect, uh, speak in respect of want, for I have learned. He learned something. Paul didn't wake up one day just knowing it. He had to learn something. And he learned that no matter what state that I'm in, there would be content. He said, be content. Verse 12 says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How many of you know that verse and can quote that one? But you know what we don't do? We fail to remember verse 11 where he says, Paul said, I learned something. That's how come I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. It's because I learned something. Are you hearing? He said, I learned something. What did he learn? He said, it doesn't make any difference where I'm at, what position I'm in, what I'm faced with, what adversity has come against me. He said, I've learned something. I've learned how to obey and how to walk and how to talk 
and how to behave and conduct my life when I'm under something, when I'm abased. Verse 12, put that up there. He said, I've learned how to do something when I'm, and, and how to live when I'm being attacked with sickness. I've learned how to deal with life when everything around me looks bad. When people are walking around behind me, calling me this and calling me that. When I've had a thorn in my flesh, it seems like I'm just something keeps coming up or my eyesight or whatever. He said, I've learned what to do about this. Look at that next part of it. It says, and I know how to abound. Do you see that? He said, I know how to conduct myself when I'm down. And it's not to complain and murmur and gripe. It's not to talk about everybody else is doing well. It ain't to run down the president and Congress and all them. They ain't got anything to do with you and the promises of God. They're not more powerful than God and his word. He said, I've, not, I've learned complaining is not going to fix it. He said, I've learned how to abound in the midst of all that mess. Are anybody interested in this? Is that what it says right there? He said, I've learned both how to be abased, how to conduct myself, and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full, to be bounding, and to be hungry. I know how to, how to act when I'm full. I know how to act when I'm hungry. Both to abound and to suffer. I know how to behave myself in both situations. And then he says, verse 13, because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I've learned this. How many of you realize if Paul learned this, we have to learn this? Huh? Or we get to do like the world. We can just complain about it. We've got those two options. Be confronted with the curse and be living under the curse, or we can be confronted with the curse and say, no, I'm going to live like the redeemed because I am so. I'm going to live like the redeemed. Do you think the redeemed supposed to be whining and complaining about the curse? No. So God's saying to his church today, as always, live as the redeemed. That's who you are. He says, I know how to abound. I know how to overcome whatever obstacle there is. And you know how he did it? He didn't do it by blaming anybody. He says, I go to my covenant. I go to my covenant and see what does the covenant say about this situation. That's what Paul did. And that's what, he, and that's what we're to do. The Apostle Paul tells us he knows how to abound and that we should know how to abound also because Holy Spirit is speaking to us saying, I don't want you under, I want you over. But Paul said he had to learn it and that he knew how to abound. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like the same thing. I want to know how. I want to be abounding in every single area of my life. Amen? So how many of you know your heavenly account operates a little differently than your earthly account? Huh? We're talking about having making heavenly uh, deposits. We know how earthly deposits go, right? You sign the back of the check. You go by the bank. You drop it off in the little window. Or you walk up to the teller and you hand it to her. She gives you a receipt you know that you've made a deposit. You can go and pull it up on your phone, look at it, there it is, right there. Made my deposit. Wow, that was quick. I just did it three minutes ago, and it's already registered right there. It's there. Well, how do you get it out? You can look at that all day long and say, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, and be broke and hungry. 
unless you know how to get it out, you're going to be hungry. Now, is it there? It's there. It's there. And this is all natural things, and we've learned, write a check, use a debit card, credit card, whatever you want to use, and you make a withdrawal. And we look at this as simple. Make a phone call, make a transfer from your checking account to pay the bill or whatever it is. We do this every day. Well, you know what? We saw in the Word a few weeks ago when the Lord brought this up. Matthew 6, 19, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And so we started going down this path the other day, and I made it talking about making deposits into your heavenly account. Now, if you don't make deposits in your heavenly account, you're going to have a hard time believing that you can make a withdrawal. How many of you know that that's true? Because you know that if you don't make a deposit in the bank that you bank with, you can't make a withdrawal. They'll say insufficient funds. But if you are making deposits in the heavenly account, then you can stand and say, you know what, I've got money there. I just need to get it out. I just need to know how do I go about getting it. How do I do this? Anybody interested in getting that money? I mean, knowing how to do it? You are going to be accountable for it just like you are your earthly account. Now, we're going to concentrate just a little bit about making the deposits. I'm going to give you four different things that we make deposits on. The first one we made mention last week was the tithe. And how many of you know the tithe is, about, is, is a matter of the heart? It's a matter of the heart. And if you don't believe so, go to Genesis and read about Cain and Abel. It's a matter of the heart. The tithe has always been about the heart. The tithe was before the law. The tithe was during the law. And the tithe is after the law. And the promises of the tithe that go along with it has always been there. And it's not going to change either because God doesn't change. The good thing about it all is this. The promises that go with the tithe, God did not have to do that. I didn't find out about those promises till way later. Way, way later. I didn't even know there were promises. It didn't take away the promise, though, did it? My ignorance of the promise didn't change. My ability to receive from the promise changed when I found out about it. I started looking at, oh, wow. As a matter of fact, that's what I got upset about. Those people never taught me any of this. I didn't know what a tithe was. Seriously, you hear that little joke about people say, well, you, you tithe, I think this is what they're talking about. I had no clue what a tithe was. Didn't have a clue. And if I had them, well, Marcia made mention of it to me when we'd been going to church for a few weeks. I thought putting $20 in the basket was good. My take-home was 1000 at the time every week back in 79 80, I'm taking $1,000 home. That was my take-home pay. And I put $20 in it and thought I'd knock the bottom right out of the basket. Figured out, I looked around one Sunday and I thought, if everybody did that, that'd be pretty good. That's what I thought. I had no clue. Didn't have a clue what a tithe was. And when she told me that, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I had no clue, no understanding of it. So when I started reading, started studying, started finding out about it, I, had to, I was before God one day and I got to thinking about it. 
being that I was a drug dealer at one time and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, it was like the Holy Spirit said this to me, but he didn't say it. It was me thinking it. I thought, you know, I never did complain about taking money down there to that dope dealer's house and giving him money. I got to thinking about it, and I said, I bet that was probably at least 10% that I was giving to alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff. And here it is, now I'm saved on my way to heaven and, if, and, and not going to hell, and I'm going to have a trouble tithing. And I thought, no way. Uh-uh. If I didn't have any trouble spending it at the juke joints and the beer places and the drugs and all that, and I've got trouble doing it for a God that loved me and died for me, I said, how? there's no way. Now, that's how I dealt with it. And I said, okay, I'll start doing it. Then I started finding out about the blessings and, and what the Word says about it, which really freaked me out. And I'm like, wow. As I made mention last week, it says right there, Malachi 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, where have we robbed thee? And I said, in your tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, this whole nation. Now, I studied this out, and I'm like, how, how, do you, how am I robbing God when it's, it's all his? I'm not taking it with me. And when I began to start seeing things, I realized something. Oh, my goodness. According to Genesis in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, God told Adam, because you've sinned, you're cursed with a curse, and the land's not going to produce for you anymore. Thorns and thistles will it bring forth. And you're going to work all the days of your life by the sweat of your brow is what you'll eat. Tell me that's not a curse. Then, right here it says, you've cursed me. How did, what did, what did, how did we curse God? How, I mean, not curse, we robbed him. We robbed him for the opportunity to get involved in our finances to bless us in doing it. Because it goes right on and it says, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, there'll be meat or provision in my house. And he said, prove me now. Didn't say prove me when you get to heaven. Didn't say prove me latter years of your life. Didn't say prove me in the next generation. He said, prove me now. Now. Herewith, saith the Lord, if I'll not open the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room to receive it all. Now, I knew something about the windows of heaven because I knew that he flooded the earth that way, and those were some pretty big windows. I needed some big windows to dump in my household. I needed money. I needed some. We were in bad shape. And then it goes on and says, there'll not be room enough to receive it. You know, I tithed for quite some time, and I didn't want to say it, but I thought it many times. Uh, Lord, uh, have you looked around? Uh, I've been tithing, and uh, I've got room still available to receive. I've still got some room around here that we could fill up. My checkbook's not full. Savings account's not full. I don't even have a retirement. I don't have this, don't have that. Lord, I mean, you know, uh, you said this was your doings, and you said do it and prove me now. Uh, Lord, I mean, we've been a lot better off than we used to be, but you said I wouldn't have room enough to receive it all. He said, yeah, I know it. Lord, I feel like I, I do have room. He says, no, you don't. 
Remember last week when I shared with you about the story about riding down the street and I said, do what? I said, uh, wish I had a million dollars. Remember that? And what did I tell you? He says, what do you really want it for? And I said, because I'm tired of worrying about money. And what did he say to me? He said, well, Alan, let's just deal with the worry in your life. Remember the scripture verse that I was going with that about? And it's right there before, I mean, right after Matthew 19 there, when he says about laying up this money. He talks about the eye, and he said about the, the light that comes in. And it says, and if your eye be evil, and then your life is full of darkness, and if it's got darkness in it, how great is that darkness? That darkness that I had within this born-again believer was still dark thinking containing worry. Worry had filled up my room where I didn't have any room to receive it all. Are you hearing me? I had to get worry out of my room so God could fill it up with more stuff, with the blessings. He said, I'll pour out a blessing so large upon your household that you won't have room enough to receive it all. Well, he did. But I had so much worry in me that there wasn't room for any more. And as the worry has left and moved out, the blessings have moved in. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm glad y'all happy for me, okay? But it sure is nice. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, maybe that's my problem. Maybe this is what's going on. There's a lot of things that went on in this because I confronted God with it because it's his word. You know, let me tell you something. When I get to heaven, and I go with all due respect when I talk to God, I, 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 I'm very respectful, but at the same time, I don't play around with it. I said, Lord, did you not say right here in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Have you been around lately, God? The devourer is doing a pretty good job. You said you would rebuke the devourer for my sake. Everywhere I've turned, it seems like he's eating my lunch. I'm a tither. Why is this happening? And I would be confronted by it. And I said, God, I'm, I'm going to wait on you. I'm, I'm not moving. Sometimes I'd say that, but I'd move. Right? Now I'd come back later and later until one day I didn't move. And finally, I guess I was in position to hear what he had to say. He said, I did say that that I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. But since now you've settled down a little bit and you're willing to listen, I'm going to tell you how I do it. I do it with your mouth. I will rebuke the devourer, but I'm going to use your mouth to do it. Oh, my goodness. Well, why didn't you tell me that about two years ago, two years ago Lord? I tried to. You wouldn't listen. You wanted to murmur and complain. You wanted to gripe. You wanted to tell me all the good that you've been doing, all the tithing and all this, and how I haven't kept my part. But you wouldn't listen to me. So guess what? I realized, yeah. He said, I'll rebuke the devil for your sake, but he wants my mouth to be the one doing it. Satan, I command you right now in the name of Jesus, according to the promises of God, you're not touching this anymore in my household. You rebuke him. He said, I'll rebuke him, but I'm going to do it with your mouth. God's not a liar. And I have to say, you know, Lord, it appears that you lied. I know you're not, so I'm missing it somewhere. It's me, God. Reveal to me. 
This is what Paul said when he says, I have learned. Okay? I have learned. We have to learn these things. They don't teach it on TV. I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he, the devourer, shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I remember riding down the road with a car that was just, had many, many miles on it. Many miles on it. And I'm going down the road and I'd be saying, Lord, I thank you right now that this car operates to perfection. It was designed and created to operate at. And I'd ride down the road. And all of a sudden one day, the thought came, as I was watching the odometer triple digits, you know, I mean, all the numbers start flipping up, you know, now I got over in hundreds and thousands of miles and, and I'm, I'm looking and, and the thought came, it already has operated to what it was designed to do. And I thought, hmm, that means it's going to start tearing up. So I changed it. I said, Lord, I thank you as a tither that my fruits are not destroyed. I thank you, Lord, that my vine should not cast fruit before its time, nor my fruits destroyed from on the ground. Lord, I thank you that this car operates as if it was designed, as if it was still brand new, just like it was when it was brand new. I didn't have the money to go buy one, but I could sure change it and say, Lord, I'm going to believe you that it's going to operate like it did when it was new, and it did. And it continued to do that. Now, Goes on in verse 12 and says, And all the nations shall call you blessed, for he shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. And there's been many people that have called me a fool, said I was crazy. Good people told me, you need to tithe more than God does. They witnessed our poverty firsthand. They knew we needed money. Good people saying, you know, brother, you need it more than God does. And inside, I had to do this. I knew they meant well, but I knew this. I don't need this tithe more than God. I need his promises more than this tithe. Are you hearing me? That little $25 I was dropping in the basket was not meeting my needs. I needed the promises on that $25. I needed the windows of heaven to be opened and poured out upon me. But good people will rob you. I want to know what did God say. Because I'm going to believe what God said. I ain't standing before good people one day. I'm going to be standing before God one day. Now them same people today, one thing that they'll tell you today well, he's blessed and he's highly favored. Why? Because I learned something. And I was obedient. I heard it and I did it. Now we're blessed. And they called me what? A delightsome land. But this didn't happen. You see, I needed the results of that tithe. I didn't need the tithe. That $25 was not going to get it. I needed the results, the promises of that tithe. Are you getting this? Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increased. That word honor means this. Lord, I trust you. I trust you more 
than now. Now says I need it now. No, I trust you, Lord, more than the word now. More than my now circumstances, more than my now situation, I trust you more. And I'm going to honor you with giving you the first fruits of all my increase. And then there's the results of doing so. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. He didn't have to do that. He wanted to do that. He wanted to pour it out. He wanted your house to be filled with plenty. He didn't have to say that. He wanted to do it. Why wouldn't I honor a God that would be that way? You see, to me, I know Marcia and I, we started out in a tent in the woods. Moved to a travel trailer you pull behind the car. I know what we're talking about here. He blessed us because we've been obedient to do what he said. Now, let me go to another area. We've heard about the tithe. I made mention last week what the tithe was for. The tithe was, is to bless. I mean, when the 12 tribes uh, out of, out, came out of the wilderness and so forth, the ones going into the promised land, they got property as much as they wanted, to work as much as they wanted, have all the cattle they wanted, do all that they wanted. But the tribe of Levi's only got two acres of property. This is the ones that God called to be the priesthood. He said, y'all will receive from these 12 tribes so that my house will be built up, so that the, all the businesses of the church will be taken care of, and all these people will be, meet their family needs. God did not say that the Levites were to live in poverty. God's ministers are to live in poverty. He didn't say that. He set it up to where between these 12 tribes, they're going to end up having just as much as anybody else for taking care of my business, of daddy's business. Set up that way. They weren't doing it, so it was part of the law. Well, we're going to do this. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus knew this since he was the word? Do you suppose... I mean, you stop thinking about it. He has set things up in such a manner that every tree produces after its own kind. He put into motion that rubber plant is going to keep producing and producing rubber plants, going to keep producing rubber plants, so that back in the year, way down the road here, when there was cars, we would have rubber for our tires. They didn't have tires back then when he said, produce that rubber tree. But he saw down the end where we were going to need it. And he put it in motion. The same with cattle, same with all other trees, and same with the fruits and vegetables and everything else. And he cared about all of that and put the seed within it. And then the thing, the reason for the whole universe, the reason for earth, the heavens, everything is man, right? And it was for the church. And what did he do? He came down here, lived a sinless life, gave his life, died on a cross, cruelty, beat, all kind of things so that we could be redeemed. Is that right? And what did he say to the church? Well, y'all just do the best you can. Just do the best you can. I know it costs money. I know it's going to be, we're going to have to set things up. But y'all just do the best you can. No, it was already set into motion. The tithe. 
to take care of the church. Are you hearing me? Tithe ain't been done away with. It's still a matter of the heart. It's always been a matter of the heart, and it will always be a matter of the heart. Now let's move on to number two. How can you make it deposits in your heavenly account? By giving to the poor. You knew that was coming. Proverbs 19, 17 says what? He that giveth to the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and he'll repay it back. I can't think of a better person to loan money to than God. Huh? If you're going to loan money to somebody, loan it to God. He said he'll pay it back. Proverbs 14, 21. He that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Anybody here want to be happy? Well, there you go, right there. He that hath pity on the poor, he that has mercy on the poor, you're going to be happy. Proverbs 28, 27. He that giveth to the poor shall never lack. I don't know about you, but I like that. It's a promise. God did not have to put that there, but he said, if you give to the poor, you take care of them, you're not ever going to lack. Another place says, you'll never want. Now, I like that. God didn't have to do this. This is the same promise that said to you that if you give your life to the Lord, you'll skip and miss out on eternal damnation and you'll be my child forever and be seated with me in heavenly places throughout eternity, ruling and reigning with me. The same God that made that promise made these promises. Are you hearing me? Why would nobody, why is it you won't do it? It's a no-brainer to me. For over 20 years, Marsha and I, every single week, we give to the poor. Every week. Why? I know what the Word said. I know what my covenant says, and it works. I've told people, give a happy meal a week. Five bucks. Give a happy meal. Just give $5 to the poor. You can do without that happy meal. Prove me now, God. Amen? I stood on this one this year. Psalms 41.1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in his time of trouble. Anybody want to be delivered in your time of trouble? Well, then be blessed and considered the poor. Verse 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall bless him upon the earth. Not just in heaven, but bless him upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Anybody have any enemies? The devil's your enemy, isn't he not? Is he not? He said, who will he do all this for? The one who gives to the poor. Verse 3. And the Lord will strengthen him upon his bed of languishing. And thou will make all his bed in his sickness. God will heal. Destroy cancer. Eliminate diabetes. Do whatever it is to the man who gives to the poor. That's what he said. Did he not say you do it? Know your covenant. I have learned. You know what Paul said? I've learned. We ought to be learning something more than what Fox News or some media people out there say. Got to go quicker. Ah. Give them to the poor. Psalms 112, 1. I'll read it quickly, though. It says, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Blessed is this man. 
His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in darkness. What was in my, in that room? Darkness was in me. What darkness? Worry. He said, unto the upright ariseth light, God's word. Run out the darkness of worry in my life. He's gracious and full of compassion and, and righteousness. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. What did I just say? I said you're always on God's mind. God's always thinking about you. You're like, where's God? He's thinking about you. He you wake up, he's thinking about you. You go to bed, he's thinking about you. He, you're always on his mind. That's who our God is. I don't know. Can't get really bored with God's word. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings of inflation and interest rates and all this. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until his desires upon his enemies take place. This man, this good man, he hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with, the, with honor. And the wicked will see it it can't be hidden from them. All what God's doing for you cannot be hidden. And it says that he will be grieved and he'll gnash his teeth and melt away and not be able to do a thing about it. Are you hearing me? How about Job? My goodness, you read the first part of Job. Job 1, it goes from verse 1 through 3, talking about he's got 7,000 sheep, and he's got all this camels, he's got all this oxen, he's got seven boys and three girls, he's got this, he's got that. And it goes on and says, and he is the wealthiest man in the entire east. Verse 6 pops up, and the devil shows up up there, and he says, God looks and says, hey, you considered my servant Job? There ain't none like him. There ain't nobody like him. He said, yeah, well, you put a hedge of protection around him and won't know that can't nothing get to him. Let me tell you what Job said. Chapter 31. In the midst of his trial, in the midst of his anguish, in the midst of all the things going on in his life, everything had come against him. Verse 16, he says this. If I have withheld the poor from their desire." or cause the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless, the orphans, have not had anything to eat. For from my youth he's been brought up with me as, as with a father, and I have guided this, this one from her mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothes, or the poor without covering, if his loins... In other words, his children have not blessed me. Why? Because you've been giving to them food. You've been giving them shelter. You've been giving them clothes. You've been considering the poor constantly. And if, I, and, if, and if he were not warm with the fleece of my sheep, 
If I have lifted my hands up against the fatherless when I saw the help at my gate, then just let my arm fall from my shoulder blade. My arm be broken from the bone. Job says, Lord, you know what I've done. I've helped the poor, the fathers, the widow, all these people. And if I haven't, if I'm just not taking care of any of them, just jerk my arm off and break it in pieces. Apparently, he was doing all this. And if you stop to think about it, he said, God did. This was the richest man in the East. How do you suppose he got that way? Considering the poor. That's how. Okay. Well, we'll just move on to the next one. Number three way of making deposits, heavenly deposits, would be making investments into the gospel. Making an investment into the gospel. I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm not talking about giving to the poor. I'm talking about giving into the, to the gospel. Mark 11, 28 says this. Then Peter began saying unto him, well, actually, it was the story about the rich young ruler who came and said, Lord, what should I have to, internal, to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, you need to, you know, honor thy father and mother. You need to do this, you know, not commit adultery. You need to do this. He says, I've done all that since my, what? Since my youth. He said, well, then one thing thou lackest. Go and sell all you have and pick up thy cross and follow me. And it said he went away sad because he was of great wealth. Now, in the process of that, it caused the apostles to be astonished. It says astonished, not surprised, astonished. Because he was saying, those that trust in those riches, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye needle of, a, of, of a, the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man who trusts in his riches to enter into doing things God's way or the kingdom of God. That's what it says. Entering into the kingdom of God or do things God's way. And it said it astonished them. He said, well, then who can be saved? And he said, with men, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. And then Peter spoke up. Wouldn't, wouldn't Peter do something like that? Sure. He spoke up and he said to him, Lo, we've left all and followed thee. Lord, we've left everything. Peter says, I left my fishing business. You sat in my boat while, and cast out and preached from my boat. I had a couple of boats. I left those boats. I had a wife and I've got kids. I even have a mother-in-law back home. Now, we've been taking care of them. But I left my business. I left my fishing business. So were some of these other guys. We've left it all and followed you. And what did Jesus say? He says, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that have left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold, which is maximum yield of harvest. That means a hundred houses, maximum yield of harvest for whatever it was. Now in this time, now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands and with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Now you won't get all this stuff in heaven. You're supposed to get it now. 
Luke said it this way, same verse, same situation. Then Peter said, Lo, we've left it all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that no man that left house or parents or brethren or wife or children or for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. So there's ways you can give into the kingdom of God to, to promote the gospel besides your time. Well, how would you do about doing that? Well, I'll just give you a few of them. One is to give into missions. Giving into missions. That's one way to do it. As a church, we give into missions every month. How about a building fund? Well, Pastor, you don't ever receive it. I, it's, you can write it on a little card. You don't give us to the building fund. But I'm not going to stand up here and beg and say, look, we're, we got a project going on. Would y'all please, 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 please give something? Well, we've got $3 towards this project now. Only need $29,648 left. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it. I ain't going to get up here and beg and plead. God doesn't do that. Give you opportunity. You're going to give in the building fund? Sow seed in it. Another way, education. Education. What do you mean? Every time you buy a CD or a Christian book, whether it be Joyce Myers or or whoever it might be, your author or whatever, every single time you do that, that is an investment into the gospel. Not for their sake, but for your sake. Because you're about to take and understand and get a greater dimension of what you're about to read. And it's getting down inside of you. You made an investment into the gospel because see, everywhere you go now, that gospel is going to come forth. Are you hearing me? John Bevere's book, what was that? Uh, what? The Bait of Satan. You read that book, you paid $6.95 or whatever it was for that book, 15 bucks. It gets down inside you everywhere you go. Now, the kingdom is going. You got a hold of it. You, you read it. You made an investment into the gospel. It made an investment into you, and it will change your life. How about this one? How about uh, ministers? Huh? You gave in to ministers, both active and retired. What? Yeah. That's, you gave in to them. Or a missionary that come back from overseas now, and, and you know, his support was there for, for a long time. You know, the mission board sent him a check every month, and they was able to get their stuff. Now he's retired, and they don't get nothing. Well... Bible says that you that there's a thing called the household of faith. Huh? You can make investments into the household of faith. Those ministers, those whoever they were, were missionaries or those that are actively involved or those that's retired. It don't matter. Make an investment. Slip them a, a few dollars. Come on, give them a handshake with have some money in their hand. That's making an investment into them. You know what that'll do to them? Puts a little skip in their walk. God knew I had need of that. Thank you, Jesus. Who else is a household of faith? You want me to tell you? You. That's right, you. 
Why is it you don't think I have a problem at all helping pay a good portion of the youth to go to camp? Because they're the household of faith. Your kids, that's right, household of faith. Don't give to them. Or the Waymakers, or a men's group, or any other type of group. They're the household of faith. We take it and we want to sow it into them. Why? Because it's another way of making an investment into the gospel. And the last one that we'll go over today. And that is the giving out of praise. Just giving out of praise. That's a way to make a deposit into your heavenly account. And maybe you had never thought about it, but I learned this back in 1980. It shocked me pretty bad because I didn't have a clue about it, and I learned this, and I'm like, what? Yeah, giving out of praise in secret. Doesn't have to be in secret, but secret's real good too. And I got to hearing this guy preach about this, and I'm like, wow. And a scripture verse rose up inside of me because he was talking about giving out of praise, just giving out of just wanting to say, Lord, thank you for being my God. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. Lord, I just want to give something. I know I've tithed. I know I give to other poor. I know that I make investments in God's But Lord, I just want to give something extra to you. I just want to do something. Just because you've been so good to me. Has anybody ever felt that way? I have many times. I just want to do something because you've been so good to me. You didn't have to do it. You just did it. And I, just, I just want to do something. Well, one day, back in the day, it was probably about 1980, and I was, thought about that when I heard him preaching about that, and I thought, you know, there's a scripture verse somewhere in that Bible that says, if a man had two coats, and I thought about it, and I said, it can't wear but one at a time. And I got pumped up. I got something I can give. So I go in there, and I open up the closet, and I reached in, and I pulled out that old coat, and I held it up, and it looked like a dead animal. And I'm looking at it, and I was going like, I'm going to give this as praise to God. And I thought, well, I've been wearing it. Somebody could surely use it. Somebody else could wear it for a while. And I couldn't help. Every time I'd look at it, my eyes would draw back at that brand new coat that I had bought that I hadn't done anything but try on. I hadn't even got to wear it yet. And I'd look, and I'd go back. I'm like, well, somebody, they they can still wear this. He says, well, you could be that someone. Won't you still wear it and give the good one away, the brand new one? And I'm like, if I'm going to give in praise to God how good he is, shouldn't I give my best? I hung the old coat back up, reached in there, Got that brand new leather coat out. It was sharp, looked good. I said, I'm going to give this. After all, this is praise to God. I'm going to give my best. So I took it, and I had a secret. I don't want this person to know at the church that this came from me. So I gave it to him and said, get it to him. Because I knew they didn't have a coat. Next Sunday, I show up, you know, and I'm like, okay. He can be wearing that coat. He didn't have a coat on. 
but his boy had the coat on. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I gave the coat for him to have because he don't have a coat. Show up, I mean, it'd be freezing cold. It, it, I mean, have big old bumps all over him because it's so cold. Everybody's all bundled up. He ain't got a coat. He's on short sleeves walking in. But his boy, he had that coat on. And I'm like, just like him. Just like him. That's just about, uh, you know, I should have figured that out. And I thought, no, I'm going to go buy another coat. Now, that one was kind of a little bit more younger style. So I could see how his son got a hold of it. I said, I'm going to buy one, but I'm going to hand it to him personally so he can't give it away. So I went and bought another coat and took it and gave it to him. He says, here, ain't right for him to have a new coat and you not have a new coat. And gave him one. That one was given out of praise as well. Of my God, how good he is. So there's ways to make investments, make deposits into your heavenly account. You trusted God with your tithe. You gave to the poor. You make investments into people's lives, whether it be missionaries and, you know, or, or whoever, you know. You, you've given everywhere you turn around. You, you've uh, given in praise to the Lord. You say, well, I don't have any money to give. I didn't have any money to give you. That's why I gave that coat because I didn't have any any money to give, so I gave my best thing I had, which was a brand new coat. I heard the story with that was the woman didn't have anything. She wanted to go in there. She got a hold of that, and she went and got her pots and pans. She was proud of them pots and pans, and she loaded all her pots and pans up and gave them away. out of praise to God, not because she wanted to get something, but she gave it because of praising God. And you're not going to outgive God. You know, when I worked at Canaan Land, people would call us up. They'd say, hey, do y'all have need of a couch? Well, we could always, you know, yeah, we, I mean, got all these guys down here. Yeah, we, we, we could use a couch. Well, how about y'all coming by? I just bought a new sofa, new living room suit. Y'all come up here and, and pick us up. And we get up there and pick it up, and one of the legs broke off up. They had a brick stuck underneath that leg. And they patting themselves on the back because they gave something to the Lord. No, we just hauled off their junk. And I saw it time and time and time again. We were the trash man. We'd come and pick up their trash and dispose of it for Refrigerators. Well, the freezer don't work, but the bottom part works good. So we bought a new refrigerator. Just want to do our part and give to the Lord. And one day, I didn't say it, but I sure thought it. No, you ain't giving to the Lord. If you was really giving to the Lord, you'd give that brand new refrigerator and keep this junk here. If you really wanted to give to the Lord, why don't you give him a new sofa and you keep that old sofa with a, with a leg broke off of it? If you really want to give to the Lord, why don't you give the new washer and dryer to the Lord? 
My goodness, we're doing 20 loads of, of 20 people's worth of laundry every day. At that time, it, it was 20. <coughs> we was wearing washers and dryers out. And they felt sorry for us. And they would just give them to us. They would just, just bring the old one back and we'd just pick up another used one. And that's what we did. And I was riding down the road one day and I said, Lord, this ain't right. I mean, why are we, we have need of, of washers and dryers and, and we're wasting our time riding back and forth to this old appliance place, dropping off the old ones and picking up another piece of junk and it might last three weeks and then it'll break down. We make another trip down to Selma again and drop it off and pick up another one. And the Lord says, well, why don't you just uh, believe for some new ones? I thought, should have figured that out. But I hadn't. Matter of fact, when the dryer fell over in the back of the truck, me going up a hill, bang, felt like the whole jerk, the whole truck. I realized, you know, I, I was upset about it. I thought, we shouldn't be doing this. I walked right in the door, said, I'll be right back. Went in there and sat down, picked up the phone, started calling a few people in just a, less, than, less than an hour. I had two brand new washers and two brand new dryers, just need to go buy them. Lord said it was there all along. They were there all along. You just never tapped into it. Huh. People were more than happy to do it. Called a few people. They said, yeah, I'll do it. What, what kind do you want? And I told them, I said, go down there and get it. I'll send you a check today. Just that quick. But for years, before I ever got there, this is how they operated 10, 10 years or more. And when I was there, it was, this was going on for a whole year. I'm like, it shouldn't be like this. We ought to have new ones. We need them. Guess what? We got them. How about clothes? <sighs> hand-me-down clothes. For a long time, Heidi wore hand-me-down clothes. We didn't have clothes. Money to go buy new clothes. So she wore the hand-me-down clothes of the other people in the church. That's tough. One thing I did, though, is I told her, I said, I will never apologize for being in the midst of God's will. This is the best I can do. I'm doing all I can do. I'll never apologize for being in God's perfect will. You may wear hand-me-downs all your life, but I'll not apologize for being in His will. He didn't want that. How many of you know she don't wear hand-me-downs no more? Because she's too old and she wouldn't look right in those young people's clothes. I mean, nah. She don't do that. God's blessed her. God's blessed her. I said that to tell you this, that when I was a little kid, mom went out to the car and there was all six of us in the car. My three boys, three girls. And the priest wanted to see my mom sent word out there. Uh, tell Miss Kova, uh, Father so-and-so needs to see her right now. So she said, I I I'll be right in. I'll never forget it. My mother got out the car and stuck her head back in there and says, uh, I want to know what y'all did. What did you do? I know you did something. What did you do? You better tell me now. Don't make me go in there and find out what you did. Tell me now, what did you do? Going through every one of us. We're all sitting there, I'm thinking, I don't know what to tell her. 
what did they find out? I mean, they ain't no telling what I've done. I've done all kinds of things. What do I start just spilling the beans or what? She goes in. She comes out, tears running down her face. It was right before Easter. Well, one of them heathens over at the Catholic Church decided that they was going to, uh, they just wanted to be a blessing. No, he wasn't a heathen. He was somebody that understood giving. Hmm. He's got three little girls. They all need a new Easter outfit. That's what I want. I want, I want to buy them all new Easter outfits. The hats, the shoes, the socks, everything. Not only that, I'm going to get the biggest Easter basket you can buy. And I'm going to have them slam full all of it. My mother come out hysterical. Don't know who did it. Don't matter. He gave because he saw something and said, God's been good to me. Think I'll just be good to somebody. I want to bless that family. And just gave it to them. Now I'm 67, fixing to be 68, and I hadn't forgot it. And now you know about it. That man's giving is still living today. Every head bowed, eye closed. Nobody looking around. You may be here today. You said, I didn't know there were so many ways to make deposits in my heavenly account. Oh, there's many ways. But just always remember this. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. The tithe, it's a matter of the heart. Given to the poor, it's a matter of the heart. Making investments into the gospel, it's a matter of the heart. Giving out of praise, it's a matter of the heart. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with everything. With your increase, the things he's blessed you with. Bless those that's around you. Give the good, not the old. Make those deposits. And as you do so, and you see the promises that we went over today, what God said he would do, know that those are all true. Those, are those, those promises are there for those that are doers of the word and not just hearers. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share these things with these people today. I thank you, Lord, to take it to heart. They'll think about these things. Lord, I thank you that it will not leave their heart at all. Now, Lord, we lift up to you right now, Bill and Sandy Marshall. We thank you, Lord, and speak healing into their life right now. We speak health and healing into those bodies. We thank you, Lord, for her being made whole. We thank you, Lord, that shingles is, 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 is leaving her body and Bill's getting stronger day by day. We thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for it. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing them. Lord, we thank you for safe travel for those that are traveling today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift up Harry Culp to you. We thank you, Lord, that he's turned 81 years old. We thank you, Lord, that he has a great birthday in Auburn today, that his sons are having a party for him, and they can just have a good time, a good time of fellowship, and be blessed. Lord, thank you to blessing these people today as they leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, y'all can be dismissed. Y'all learn anything? I've had fun. Next week, we'll find out about making withdrawal. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.